Music is central to our well-being. If you're listening here, chances are you feel the same. The Classical Post podcast uncovers the creativity that exists behind great music. We believe music is interconnected with other art forms and life experiences. It doesn't exist in a vacuum, but is often influenced by other sources. No matter who you are, cultivating your creativity is fundamental to being better in business and living a more holistic life. Discover more on this podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Eifert. Thanks for joining me today, and I hope you find something valuable in this episode. For Jeremy Geffen, Executive and Artistic Director of Cal Performances at UC Berkeley, bringing to life all of the organization's artistic and educational activities, about 80 events per season, centers around ideas of building and serving communities across the Bay Area. Since arriving on the Berkeley campus in 2019 and during his 12-year tenure as Senior Director and Artistic Advisor of Carnegie Hall, Geffen has worked tirelessly to transform the people he serves through the power of the performing arts. That means, first and foremost, making introductions to emerging artists whose new ideas can spark meaningful conversations. As Geffen points out, even the biggest artists with the longest relationships with Cal performances, including Yo-Yo Ma, Jordi Saval, and the Mark Morris Dance Group, weren't always stars. When they were just starting out, it was Cal performances that helped to give them a toehold. And Geffen sees fostering growth in the artistic powerhouses of tomorrow as one of the most gratifying aspects of his role. In this conversation, we discuss Cal Performances' upcoming season and how its marquee Illumination series will explore technology's many roles in creative expression and human communication. Plus, Geffen opens up about why he sees classical music as, quote, a type of regenerative spiritual health, unquote, how therapy has helped him tap into the creativity of the subconscious mind and why he heads to Manhattan's East Village when it's time to celebrate with sake in New York City. My name is Jeremy Geffen. I am the executive and artistic director for Cal Performances, which is uh, the presenting organization on the campus of UC Berkeley in uh, California. Uh, we present music, dance, and drama from around the world and have about 80 events from August until the beginning of May every season. Where do you find inspiration as a leader in the arts? Uh, so I, I, I feel very fortunate to work in the arts because the, the performances um, that, we, that we hear that we, and see what we experience in the arts are in, self, are in themselves the inspiration uh, for for leadership. I I was a violist, um, and I, I stopped playing because I had problems with my right hand. But I think about the the different roles that I had as a musician. Um, that that there are performances in which you are part of a chamber ensemble, small ensemble on stage, and there is no specific, uh, no defined leader for that event. It's a shared leadership model, like a string quartet. Um, and there are performances where there is a conductor uh, uh, before you that um, is responsible for uh, for 
balancing all the elements simultaneously. So they're, they're, the responsibility is much more um, entrusted to a single individual. Um, and even within those performances with, with different types of models, there are moments that you step out of those models um, that one in, uh, individual in the ensemble has a moment in, uh, in the sun and then uh, and takes on greater weight within the work and then recedes the next moment to allow someone else that same opportunity. So you know, I, I, I really feel that, uh, that the types of performances that we enjoy as entertainment or even um, transcendental spiritual nourishment uh, give us the, a lot of the templates that we need for leadership off the stage. And when you think about your, um, uh, I guess, external things that, that are shaping your approach to leading an arts organization, is there, um, I don't know, uh, various things that you can point to? Well, certainly the thing that I can point to most over the past two and a half years is, is COVID. Um, it's it, whether or not we wanted it to be part of, uh, uh, <laughs> of the factors that determine our course, it is. And I think we've all, within the performing arts and just within the world in general, have had to um, give over levels of, um, of agency um, and, and be more fluid with the, uh, and flexible in the way that we operate. Um, it's, it's, it's been a constant exercise in determining how to serve and maintain public trust, um, what constitutes an acceptable risk and what uh, success looks like under vastly different circumstances than we would have had pre pandemic. So that's one of the, um, the factors that has shaped my approach to leading Cal performances. But the other is, um, and this is, this is not pandemic dependent. It's a uh, building community or actually, um, uh, it's probably more accurate to say for an organization that presents the variety that we, uh, of work that we do, um, building communities, um, we need to lead in a way that reflects the needs of our communities and speak to the many different constituencies um, in languages that they'll understand. Cal performances, as I mentioned before, is, is part of UC Berkeley and um, the greater campus community is about 60,000 60, people, maybe a little bit more between students, faculty and administrative staff. and. We definitely have a, a portion of our, our mission that is geared specifically towards the campus and particularly towards students, but we, we're also a public institution. Um, it, it, over half of our audiences have no relationship at all with UC Berkeley, um, other than coming to Cal performances. So we speak to the greater Bay area and the, um, the. The, the cultural scene within it. When you, and actually to follow up on that question, 
Um, do you find that um, that area, being in the Bay Area uh, and the, that um, kind of local culture, if you will, um, is shaping your artistic leadership um, or, or influences or, or doesn't it play a role? I, I'm curious to kind of hear more as it relates to the local area. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think no two, no two groups of people behave exactly the same. Um, there, they may be similar. So what, what works well in New York may not work well in the Bay area and may not work well in, um, uh, in Billings, Montana, you know, uh, just to choose another place, a market at random one, by the way, that I don't understand at all. Um, or, or claim no understanding of, um, so absolutely one has to be aware of, um, patterns within your constituency, within the communities, what, what they seem to respond to, um, and what they seem to want more of. And you have to balance that with, um, your own artistic instincts, um, as to what to introduce, um, to a community, but, um, it, it doesn't take a lot of artistic administration chops to, um, to book a major superstar. Um, uh, they, they, that they're absolutely important in this, into, uh, to the season and they bring uh, a lot of artistic value, but the, the bigger risk and where you, I think one demonstrates the level of connection that one has to one's community is which artists you're, you're going to introduce. And when I say introduce, I mean, artists who are at the beginnings of their careers or, or may not have had exposure in the Bay area. Um, because who you choose to present is what defines you as a presenter. So, um, there, there have been artists who have been coming to Cal performances since long before I arrived, like, uh, Jordi Safal, um, uh, Yo-Yo Ma, uh, the uh, Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, Mark Morris Dance, that, um, are really part of who Cal performances in is. And I think our, our audience members feel that they have very close relationships with, with those artists, but it's really important to remember that those artists at one point in their career were, um, were not superstars. They, um, they were just starting out and it was Cal performances who gave them uh, a toehold and as a, as a presenter, as a programmer, um, as an administrator, one of the, some of the, the moments that have given me the greatest, uh, career satisfaction have been those in which I've given, uh, an artist I believe in, um, a shot and more often than not, those artists have, um, knock the ball out of the park. And that's as far into sports metaphor as I'm going to go because I I'm really terrible at it. But, um, but it, if you demonstrate confidence in, in some, uh, someone more 
often than not that that, that confidence will um, will be reciprocated and um, and it, expectations will be exceeded. So um, it it's it, it gives me great gratification to 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 watch artists I saw something in early on it, it, you know grow into their full potential. It's very interesting for you to um, kind of frame it that way. Uh, it's, it's really uh, noble because I know a lot of people do um, want to break into to the market. And and you're right, it is easy to get the superstars, but then how do you really choose and kind of bet on the right course, if you will, um, so that, um, you know, everyone wins? And, uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting process for sure. Describe a routine you have in place that helps you live a healthier life. Um, I'm laughing at this because I'm not sure that I lead the, the healthiest life. I, I don't have the best uh, work-life balance. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to discourage anyone listening to this to, to, um, to, from trying to um, replicate what I do. But, um, I do believe in, in, um, the value of exercise and, uh, I love high intensity cardio, um, high enough intensity that you don't really, um, uh, you're unable to think about anything else. I, I, I think that, that those, I mean, uh, I, I, I don't think I'm alone when I say that I, you know, I have so many things on my mind at any one time that those moments when you you really are forced to concentrate on something else are, um, are, are so valuable. <laughs> um, and that they give, they give me the liminal space that I need to be able to let my subconscious take over and start to, to solve problems on its own. Um, you know, I, I have a, I have a, happy to say I have a great therapist. I recommend having a therapist to anyone who has the opportunity um, to have one. And one of the things that she's, she underlines to me is that she, she raises questions for me, not necessarily for me to actively consider, but to get my subconscious working um, on them. And I, I, I really do things are, are, are humming in the background. And, um, there's a reason why we have those aha moments in the shower. Um, it's, it, it, it is a, a space where we're concentrated on something else and you're, you're in sort of a state of, of relaxation and that just allows something that has not yet jumped through the other side of the, the membrane to, um, to permeate. So, um, I, I really do believe in, in, in creating the, the sort of space to, um, to allow for ideas to germinate, whether that's through exercise or through meditation or through taking walks, um, or through social experiences. I, I think for everyone, it's going to be slightly different. Um, but th that's where the breakthrough moments happen for me. Um, 
I, I, I think I really consider myself very fortunate to be working in an area, um, that I am personally very passionate about. And I, I do recognize in conversation with people who have other types of jobs, um, and who express, um, uh, a sort of wonder that, uh, that once, once the workday is ended, that this is what I'm still thinking about. Um, that, you know, the performing arts, um, for me, especially music, uh, give me a, a, a type of, um, regenerative spiritual health. <laughs> um, they, they even me out and I, with, with those, with certain pieces of music that I've had a relationship with for most of my life. I find that at different times, they mean that at different times in my life, they have meant something different to me, um, that was not, that, that had not revealed itself previously. And that's, I know, I know that's about me, um, as much as it is about the, the, the work being it, itself being great, but the work is a, um, is a mirror. It's so interesting. I, I actually want to go back to this idea of the therapist and planting ideas. That's really fascinating. Um, uh, I, I totally get the idea of a therapist and how wonderful it is. Um, but I'm not sure if I had heard the concept of this kind of planting ideas and then kind of going forth in your life. And then later on, you know, it kind of the, some great idea appears. I love that idea. And specifically, though, having a therapist to almost like plant ideas. That, that's brilliant. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, again, this is, this is her, um, she, she, she is wonderful. Um, if, if this word of public podcast, I would remember, I would reveal her name, but, um, I, I want to be able to get appointments with her in the future. <laughs> but no, it's, it's a really cool concept on um, that specifically. Um, have you, I mean, in terms of, um, uh, I mean, I guess this is just can be for life at large, right? Just personal um, and professional. But it, for your professional life, have you, I don't know if she ever had planted a, you know, a huge, fabulous idea. And then later on, it, it came to fruition and then you executed it and it was a success. I don't know if there, if you want to talk about if, if that even happened or not. You know, I think we all, um, when the pandemic began, um, we were all, faced with the question as to how we were going to allow, um, the performing arts to still thrive, um, in, in circumstances in which we weren't able to gather together for, um, in-person performances. And although we have uh, the common element, um, has been, uh, digital performances, the way in which we, we chose to frame those performances. In fact, the, the way that, that we, um, chose to film them were they were they be uh were they live events that were streamed live and and uh ceased to exist um the moment the, per the performance itself was over with it were they um edited uh, uh, edited performances that were treated as one would treat a, a live performance or or were they edited performances that were treated much more as one would treat a recording um we i think we all had to determine a, a, a path for our organizations that made sense in that moment. And I, 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 I certainly didn't do this on my own. I, there is 
an incredible te team of people working at Cal Performances who all have really um, specialized strengths that um, allow us to be uh, greater than the sum of our parts. Um, but I think we we arrived at um, a, a, a result or a template for a result that was that was successful and that reached many more people than we we were able to reach in with in-person operations um, we had uh we had subscribers and viewers in 36 countries on six continents and uh had no marketing budget to support that so that was all through word of mouth um wow so you know as as difficult a moment as that was for all sorts of reasons, not, not just let's take the business model question out, um, just the, the basic human, uh, questions of existence and health and, um, uh, and how you, and worry about one's loved ones. Uh, these, uh, <laughs> there were so many factors that, that needed to be considered and an overwhelming number of factors that I think at a certain point you have to let your tummy uh, guide you. What is one specific product you highly recommend? And a really open-ended question here. Um, I'm going to give you a, a, a very, I, I, I think this answer is not going to be very satisfying to you, but I mean, I, I think the most, the most critical product is a scale. And when I say a scale, not the sort of scale that they, um, uh, a readout that tells you how many grams or how many ounces something weighs, but, um, but it's, it, it, it's that it's actually the image of a scale. That's really important to me because it, it, it is about balance. Um, it's, you know, no matter how much you enjoy doing something, you can't do it all the time, um, or else you'll cease to enjoy it. Um, so I, I, I we, in programming balance is, it is incredibly important, but in life balance is, is really important as, as well. I mean, I, I, I love watching performances, um, on, uh, at home. Uh, I love being in, in performances live, of course, but you know, if I'm just speaking about home right now, but I also love, uh, I love the real housewives. Um, you know, you, you've got to, oh yeah, <laughs> um, there, there has to, you have to balance the high and the, and the low. Um, and, and by the way, what you define as high and low in that it, it with those between those two could be completely different. Um, um, but uh, swimming pools have shallow ends and they have deep ends. So, um, you know, they, but they, they, they but it, it, the pool is still the pool. Um, that's its identity. So I, I, I sort of view myself as the pool and all of these things that I enjoyed doing, um, make up who I am. Um, even if I might be a little bit embarrassed to admit you know, that I, that I watched the real housewives of Orange County. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, which, uh, series, so Orange County, not, not uh, any of the other ones. 
or that's I your started, favorite? I started with Orange County because I grew up there. And um, at, at the time that it started, I was living in New York and it was sort of a, it was a reminder of um, and then I got a little sucked in. I, I, I not, um, that was a, let's say it was a gateway drug to, um, to below deck. What restaurant or bar do you love to eat at when you're in New York City? And then the follow-up, obviously, is what do you order there? Um, well, let's start with one that doesn't exist anymore. Um, it was a sad casualty of, uh, of uh, the pandemic. But um, the the rest, the Nomad at the Nomad the Nomad Hotel was one of my favorite places to eat, and they had this they made this chicken that I mean. Everyone, people think chicken is boring, but what they did was anything but. It was, it, it, you know what? I'm not going to do it justice by trying to describe it. So, um, um, I love that place. Um, I my my favorite place in New York is um, Gramercy Tavern, and you know, I, I'm I love. Uh, I, I eat, I need to eat. Um, I watch the passion that other people have for, um, for, for food. And I realize I'm, I'm not a foodie on that level, but what makes a restaurant, um, uh, meaningful, attractive to me is actually the, the atmosphere. Uh, like I, I love, I just love the room at, at, at Gramercy Tavern. It's so comfortable. Um, it's it's quiet enough that you can hear your neighbor, uh, hear the people at your table, and you're not competing with the other tables, which is a big problem in New York. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, I, you know, it, p- people will definitely have more sophisticated food answers than than anything I'll give, but I'm, I'm just going to go with the room. And then, for like uh, on the occasion that I had uh, that I stayed out late, I can't believe I used to stay out. Um, you know, past midnight, that, that, that's all really changed since moving to the West coast and certainly through the pandemic, the, the, the rhythm of the West coast is in general, much earlier than, um, the New York city, but there was a place, um, in the East village called decibel, which was, a um, a, a sake bar. And I, th- I think it was around East 10th street. It was this magical, uh, underground place where I swear I was in a labyrinth and that new rooms were being created as I walked through them. I, 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 it's one of those things that if I, if I were to try to diagram it, I would never be able to get it right. Let's take a quick break. Did you know Classical Post is a brand built for your pleasure by Gold Sound Media, a New York creative studio developing content for music lovers around the United States. We're always looking for new opportunities to partner with music presenters, artists, and record labels. If you're interested in content to build your community, please get in touch. Head to goldsoundmedia.com. Now, back to the show.
now let's talk about Cal Performances. So tell us about Illuminations, uh, specifically at Cal Performances, and, and what's coming up this season. So Illuminations is an initiative that um, we began <clears throat> shortly after I arrived. One of the things that uh, that distinguishes Cal Performances from, from other um, presenting groups either within the Bay Area or beyond is that it is our context on um, the the campus of one of the great universities of the world, um, a great public university at that. Um, and it, it, there is so much uh, fascinating research and thought leadership taking place on this campus that it seemed what was what was was missing was an opportunity to bring all of that research together into a marketplace where the, where it could be met with the, uh, by other units on campus, but also by the general public. So Illuminations focuses on one theme generally a pressing issue of our time or a press, uh, an idea worth exploring um, for an entire season. And we invite other uh, units in, in on campus into that um, exploration to present, to present their own public facing events, which Cal Performances as, a, uh, um, as an, an organization that is very oriented towards um, the general public um, can actually help in getting uh, the word out about. And this season's theme is human and machine. And that's about, uh, as, about how humans have always relied on tools to, um, to communicate with each other, um, but also to uh, amplify and, uh, and more, more fully express their ideas um, their creative potential. So, um, under this, under this theme this year, we have events that range from, uh, a performance on, on multiple forte pianos by Christian Bezadenhout, uh, that shows the evolution of the, you know, we tend to think of the forte piano as a fixed instrument, but it actually, it, it's a catch-all term for a lot of instruments, um, that represent different phases of, of, uh, musical instrument technology dependent that was dependent on what composers wanted to write for it, you know, uh, Beethoven's, uh, Hammer Clavier Sonata, I mean, it, it gives it, gives it away in the, um, the subtitle of the piece, Hammer Clavier, it was subtitled for the name of the instrument for which he was writing, um, it, to an instrument that had expanded dynamic, um, and, uh, dynamic ranges and, and actually, um, the, the, the bass to treble range, uh, of the instrument was expanded as well. So it's, this is an opportunity to think about, um, about musical instruments as technology, but then also through some of the other works, uh, in the series, like, uh, uh, tribute to Steve Reich, a, a birthday celebration, you know, Steve was one of Steve incorporated, uh, uh, machines and, and even emulations of machines, um, in his early works and continues to write for ele electronics today, but he combines them with, uh, with acoustic instruments as well. Um, and then there is what I think is one of the, the highlights of the, the season, uh, well, William Kendridge's Sybil, uh, which has his, 
most recent, what, what he calls it, um, the chamber opera, Waiting for the Sybil, which is a piece that is about, um, a relationship with technology, um, and human, the human desire to, um, to know our fates in advance, um, and how that, uh, how that desire meets up with, uh, with the actual, um, with reality. Um, Kentridge said that if you know, the Sybil, the Sybil was a, a, um, the name for a, uh, a prophetess in, uh, in, in the ancient world. Um, and he's actually referring to a very specific Sybil, but let's for, for, for the moment, just say a general Sybil. It, if the Sybil were alive today, um, she would be an algorithm, um, that, that, that's the predictor of, that tells us our future. Um, yeah. And then, oh. and then, uh, the, uh, Toshi Regan and, uh, and her mother, uh, Bernice Johnson Regan, who founded, um, uh, Sweet Honey in the Rock have a, a work that is based on Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower, which is a, um, work of science fiction from the 1990s that unfortunately pretty accurately de uh, depicts what happens if we rely a little bit too heavily on technology and the darker side of technology and uh how the there is a trade-off uh, there there is perhaps a trade-off between um the our reliance on our interest in an, a, a, an alternate world or a technological world and the destruction of the physical world yeah, it's a really profound um, way to present uh, a series, I think, you know, to kind of um, frame it like that uh, human uh, and machine. I think that's, it's it's really, yeah, I, I could see the, you know, kind of huge implications of that for people, you know, who are attending these various um, events and then coming away and pondering these, um, uh, you know, this viewpoint or, or the viewpoints of the different events um, is, would you say, I mean, I, obviously I know it's all connected, but um, it sounds like you're kind of talking about different topics, shall we say, or different viewpoints throughout the whole season, even though it's all under this one theme. Um, is there a particular message that, you know, like one message that is stitching this all together? That's not just like a theme, but more of like a message to people who are hearing all of this. Um, I think the message that people are going to take away will be different for, for each of them based on what they've heard and seen. Um, and, and I think that, that that's by, de by design, the way, one of the, um, the things that I value so much about, uh, live performance is that you can be sitting next to someone you've never, you've never met and you will never, you may never see in your life again. Um, but based on the information that you have received together. Uh, that experience that you've received together, you're forever bound. Um, and, and yet your understanding or, uh, what you took away from that performance could be so drastically different from the, uh, the person next to you. Um, and that's, that is the beauty of, of live performance that, that from the same experience, we get a diversity of reaction and a diversity of thought. And that's really powerful. Um, so no, I, I'm yeah, not, there's no explicit, explicit conclusion that we're asking audiences to draw, um, that 
we're just, we're presenting the information so that they can, um, they can go on the journey for themselves. Yeah, no, it, it, it's excellent. Um, yeah, well done with, with curating all of that, because I, I think that's, uh, and especially it's so timely right now as, as the world grapples with, um, I don't know, pre internet privacy issues and data breaches and, you know, yeah. that the new yeah. other things of the, al of the algorithm gods and, um, the rise of, the rise of TikTok and, you know, the list goes on. So yeah, it's very fascinating. Um, one last question, uh, in terms of success, it's personal for everyone. What does it mean to you? Um, I think in, in, in short, um, success to me looks like connection. Um, you know, it's, it's gonna, it will sort of like the way I just described what I, I hope audience take it, 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 audience members take away from performances, the, the type of connection is going to be different every time, every time. But, um, the, uh, the common thread is that one, that a connection has been established, um, between, uh, between, uh, audience and stage between uh, and performer, um, between audience members and, and, and neighbors, um, in in the specific case between university and um and broader community um you know when i when i lie in bed at the end of the day and feel like i i've had satisfaction because of something that has accomplished uh, that has happened during the day it's generally because um i have had some meaningful connection that, uh, something that was not just, um, yeah, that wasn't transactional, um, we're, uh, and, and just to expand that a little further, um, the superpower that lies at the, the center of the performing arts is that, um, that they are at, at a moment through which we get to experience the world through another person's eyes, whether that's the, um, uh, the author, the cre uh, the composer or, or the performer, you're actually directly receiving emotional, uh, information, um, on, uh, a, on a non-didactic, um, completely direct, uh, level and as a result, I think it, it, it they the performing arts are, um, are unrivaled in their capacity to build empathy. And that's, um, that's what we need more than ever. Um, so that's, that is, that is the greatest success. Um, and just on a, a going back to something that we talked about earlier, it's also it, success to me means it introducing, um, and creating bonds where there weren't before, Like we have some wonderful debut artists coming up this season, soprano Ying Fong and violinist Alexi Kenny, and uh, actually violinist Rachel Ellen Wong. Um, and you know, th this is the first time they will have performed for our audiences. And I know that the audiences are going to love them and that they're going to be, these artists are going to be part of um, the, the future of Cal performances.
Thanks for listening to the Classical Post podcast. I hope you have found it meaningful and that it gave you new ideas to cultivate your creativity to be better in business and life. So let's stay in touch. Remember to follow this podcast to get notified of new episodes and sign up for our monthly newsletter for album recommendations and editorial on leading artists. Just head to classicalpost.com slash subscribe. Thank you.